0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Uh, We're chuckling here in the living room because we were having a robust conversation about a lot of different things and I almost started late, so I'm glad to have you guys with us this morning. If you got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 10. I've been waiting to say this for a while. Uh, We have officially hit double digits, Uh, and those of you with uh, teenagers, you might recall uh, the moment of joy that they went through uh, when they turned 10 years old. It was like, I am. Like, I'm all grown up now, so I, I feel like we're starting to hit a rhythm and a stride in Mark's gospel, and I'm excited about uh, today's lesson. So you got your Bibles, open up to uh, Mark chapter 10. We'll actually be there in just a few minutes. Uh, Today's handout is available at uh, OurSundaySchool.com, and it is one page, not even a back, just one page long. Uh, And it is our typical review that we go through, walking through our process, uh, just to remind ourselves of what a a Bible-informed process for studying God's Word looks like. Uh, My notes this morning are largely going to come from the series uh, Talking About the Bible that's available at OurSundaySchool.com as well, and uh, these are my notes that I'll be talking from. And uh, so I'll be jumping around all over the Bible today, Uh, so you might want to take a moment to uh, grab a pen or a pencil and uh, get ready to take some notes as far as some references to today's handout. Uh, But we will start uh, with the idea of a few assumptions, we'll talk about objectives for Bible study, assertions, uh, and then we'll quickly walk through uh, as many of our process steps as we can get through today, and uh, we'll go from there. So a couple of uh, assumptions about uh, Bible study is that all believers talk about the Bible. Uh, We might do this formally, we might do this informally, it might be with uh, small children, it might be with adults. Uh, It might be in settings that are at church, it might be in the hallway, it might be over the phone, it could be over uh, some type of electronic device, Uh, but all believers talk about the Bible. And I I would argue that we don't always, we, Jim is in this, right, deeply, deeply in this, Uh, we don't always follow a very Bible-informed process when talking about the Bible, uh, and I don't know about you, but I have many times wished I could go back and redo a conversation that I've had with someone talking about some portion of God's Word and uh, wish I could go back and be more thoughtful, wish I could be, go back and be more accurate, wish I could go back and many, many times be more loving and patient and listening and understanding. Um, and I, I would argue that in our, our current age of outrage, this is a phrase borrowed from Ed Stetzer, uh, we can do better. Uh, we absolutely can do better, and yeah, I, I think sometimes when, when our culture swings very strongly in one direction or the other, it's a, it's an opportune time just to speak clearly about what the Bible says in this space, um, and the message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ deserves a biblical approach. Uh, so, with that as our assertions, these are the things that we believe to be our assumptions; these are the things that we believe to be true. Uh, just a couple of objectives about. Uh, talking about the Bible. One is to be prepared. Uh, Titus chapter 2 talks about what is expected of older men and older women. And uh, you may or may not consider yourself an older man or an older woman, but I would have been considered at the time that Titus wrote, uh, uh, at the time that uh, part of the letter to Titus, uh, a, an older man. Um, so somebody in their mid-40s would be, certainly, have been considered an older person. So by, by this age, I would have been expected to have been, am uh, looking at uh, verse 1 here, uh, uh, Sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patient, uh, and in the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So there are expectations for Christians, as we grow into maturity and the expectation one of them for older women is to be able to teach one of them for older men is to be sound in the faith and I would argue that how we engage with God's Word uh, when we are young how we engage with God's Word when we are middle age, how we engage with God's Word in our old age uh, impacts how we are able to do and obey these commands I would argue that another uh, objective is to be faithful 1st um, Corinthians 4 1 and 2 so Let a, Man, so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Uh, And I don't know if you've ever considered uh, the fact that we have uh, so much access to God's Word and we are stewards of God's Word. Um, We are going to give an account of how we handled God's Word, of how we taught God's Word, of how we talked about God's Word, of how we engage with others about God's Word. Uh, and we are called to be faithful stewards, uh, not sloppy, uh, not irreverent, not uh, unfortunate, not accidental, but faithful. And then the third uh, item here for objectives, I would argue that we should be engaging. Uh, and I'll, I'll, Lord willing, teach a lesson the first Sunday school class of 2021, which is uh, closer than you might think, uh, around our heads, hands, and hearts. And these are the things that I want to be engaging specifically as we walk through our process for our Sunday school. Uh, And we're not trying to create Pharisees here, but we're trying to create faithful believers. Uh, We're trying to uh, engage the Bible and engage others in a way that uh, impact heads and hands and hearts um, so that all of those can be faithfully used for the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is a worthy thing to do. So, I'll, I'll pause here and take a breath. And I'll just t- greet some folks that have joined with us this morning. So, uh, good morning to room 206 and the crew that is there, the barbers. Uh, Cheryl, hey, good morning. We got Jay and Becky. got the Landers crew. We got a sneezer here on the couch with us. We got the Velocins, the Gilchrist. Um, let's see, the Janikas are hanging out in Oak Ridge today. Cool. Welcome to, from Oak Ridge. Uh, Atari, yes, we're going back to the basics this morning, Margie. This is the basic stuff. Uh, I'm doing this for two reasons. One, we've been looking for an Xbox Series X for a while and snagged one this morning on Best Buy. So if you've been looking for one after Sunday school's over, uh, go to Best Buy's website. You might be able to grab one. Uh, the Archers, uh, so we got In Room 206, the Ayers, and Bobby and Jessica. Fantastic. Welcome, guys. Uh, the Johnsons, the McGarveys. Man, these are some of my favorite people in the whole universe. And I really long to hug you guys and welcome you guys and see you in the flesh soon. Um, I will. I will tell you just a, a quick update. I've talked with uh, our staff about this, and uh, I, I, we are still. The Flemings are still going to take a very conservative approach uh, relative to all things COVID. Um, we, what we have talked about uh, here in our house is when the CDC backs off of guidelines as far as. How we can get together, and when there is basically no restrictions around this, we're going to feel comfortable going back into places with lots of folks. Um, so, just just quite bluntly, we're we're looking at very likely months and months of continuing in this kind of a posture. So, just want you to be aware of that. Um, it, it is not a uh, it's not a thing that we enjoy, uh, but God is faithful, and His providence uh, is something that we trust. And there we are. So, there's that. So back to the lesson this morning. Uh, we have talked about assumptions, we've talked about objectives, and we we'll talked about assertions just real quick. So, God tells us what the Bible is and tells us what it is for. Um, I'm pulling this from uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. It's God's authoritative, inerrant, clear, necessary, and sufficient word. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and I'm, I'm thrilled that we live in an age with so much access to the actual Scripture. Um, God tells us what the Bible gives. Uh, 2 Peter 1 talks about all things necessary for life and godliness. So we don't, we don't have to worry about, well, I need the Bible and... like, like No. <laughs> the, the Spirit illuminates the text so that the believer can understand who God is and understand the gospel and the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is really simply it. We need God and His Word full stop. Um, All of these resources behind me, whether they are good or helpful or off the wall, because I've got some that are off the wall too, um, all of these resources are not necessary. They're helpful, I would say. Um, I I really like certain things about modern society. I really like air conditioning. I really like uh, central heat and air. Um, I really like electricity. I really like high speed internet. Uh, I really like uh, windows and doors and all sorts of things that are convenient, but those things are not necessary. Like those were, There were periods of life on earth where we didn't have those things, and we survived just fine as a, as a species. It was okay. Um, but what is necessary is God's Word and God Himself. Um, so while I might talk about lots of other resources today, none of those things are even, in the, even on the same plane as God and His Word. So the Bible gives us uh, what we need, uh, and then God tells us about the resources that He provides and I, to help people, to help believers talk about God and His Word. Uh, God's given us His Spirit. God's given us His Word. God's given us the church. It's a beautiful gift that we get to do this together. Um, and the Holy Spirit in the Scripture, uh, the Holy Spirit illuminates uh, the words of the Scripture. And then the church, uh, through its collective teaching, uh, affirms or rebukes individuals as they proclaim uh, information about the Bible. Uh, we've seen this throughout the history of the church. Uh, Jesus did this himself before the church was even founded. He exampled this for the disciples. The disciples did this. We see this in examples in, uh, in the, in the uh, book of the Acts of the Apostles. And then uh, we see this in uh, the letters, the epistles that the apostles wrote as well, the uh, correction and the affirmations of uh, doctrine, whether it be good or bad. Um, so we, we have what we need, and then obviously we scale up and down as needed. If you're, if you're having a conversation with a three-year-old about who God is, I wouldn't expect you to pull off your uh, copy of New Testament Greek and walk them through the aorist tense, right? I mean, that's, that's just not going to be helpful. Uh, but if you're having a conversation with somebody who is well-versed in the things of the Scripture— well then, there might be a different level of engagement there. And the thing I like about the principles that we're going to look at this morning, these process steps, are that they can flex for the audience that's intended. Uh, so let's let's take a look and uh, walk through some of these principles. So on your handout, uh, the very top. So this is the process step number one, uh, and it's to pray. So a couple attitudes for each one of these uh, principles. There's a an attitude and action. Uh, a practice, and then I've actually got a suggested resource at OurSundaySchool.com if you go to the Talking About the Bible section. So our attitudes here are fear, dependence, and expectancy. Our verse for fear is Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Um, We should understand that we are talking about, when we talk about the Bible, we're talking about God's very words. And there should be a fear of God Himself uh, a right holy fear of God Himself. When talking about God's words, this is uh, God doesn't take His word lightly. If we look through the Scripture and see how God responds to those who take His words lightly, it is not a good outcome. Uh, so we shouldn't take His words lightly either. Uh, the the second uh, attitude here is dependence. Second Chronicles twenty is this beautiful picture, this Old Testament picture of the Israelites. They've got their backs up against the wall. They are stuck. They're out of options. They think they're out of options. Uh, with God, you're really never out of options. And then in verse 12, uh, there's this beautiful prayer. It says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? This is their enemies. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Uh, this is just an acknowledgement that we are not God. We are not capable of doing what God is capable of doing. Uh, and then the third attitude here is expectancy. So Psalm 119, 18, Uh, this is a verse that uh, Dave Iverson and I used to teach uh, when we taught Growth Track 2 many, many years ago. Uh, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Uh, That when we open the scripture, it is not an expectancy of uh, death. It is not an expectancy of uh, legalism. It is not an expectancy of uh, hardship and heartbreak. It is an expectancy of wondrous things. This is what God desires for his children. Uh, you know, we're coming into the Christmas season and uh, we have uh, altered our hard and fast rule at our house, as some of you have already picked up on. <sighs> I can't believe I said yes to this. Um, but uh, we have decorated for Christmas before Thanksgiving occurred. And i got to tell you, it's actually really pretty in our house right now. Uh, it is very nice. So, yes, I did say those words on tape. My wife is smiling beyond comprehension right now on the couch. Uh, but this, this giving season, uh, you know, this, this is we give because God gave first, right? God gave uh, us life. God gave. He loved us. Uh, God gave us uh, the Spirit. God gave us His Son. God gives us Himself. I mean, it's just a—he's an abundant, wonderful giver, and He gives us wonderful things from His Word. It is a beautiful thing. Uh, and then James one five: If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, without a reproach, and it will be given to him. So if you, if you have a of an intimidated mindset when you come to the Scripture, I mean, it's a it's a big book, and if you're not a if you're not a reader, if you don't love to read uh, the writings of old dead guys, then you know this, this can be a really intimidating book. I, I completely and totally understand that. Uh, but God says, if you lack wisdom, ask, and he will give. Because he and he alone is faithful. Uh, so these are our attitudes as we come to uh, the scripture uh, what do we do our action? We, we pray for illumination. We pray for the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do to illuminate the text of God's word so that we then can understand. We, we pray for wisdom, James 1:5. We pray for hearing for the hearers. Uh, Revelation two and three, this phrase shows up over and over again. He who has an ear to hear, uh, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, and the Spirit is speaking. So our practice, uh, and this is something that I do before I speak on Sunday mornings, before I speak really about God's Word, before I study God's Word, before I get ready to study God's Word, is to pray and ask for, uh, ask for help. So our practice is we pray before we talk. And uh, so I'll just give you a, a couple of examples of this. So we're just going to take a moment right now to ensure that we have an attitude of fear, dependence, and expectancy about the scripture that we're about to hear. Because I'm going to read uh, Mark chapter 10 here in a few minutes. And we take a minute to just ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate this week's text, to ask for wisdom, and to pray for hearing of the other believers studying with us. So with that, let's go practice process step number one. Let's pray. So pray with me if you will. Father, we thank you so much for uh, your abundant love. We thank you so much for your giving nature. We thank you for... Uh, Father, Spirit, Son, the three-in-one, the one-in-three. We thank you for uh, the Spirit's work to illuminate uh, the Bible for us so that we can understand truth about you, so that we can rightly respond to who Jesus is, so that we can be led and guided by the Spirit, so that we can worship you as we should. Uh, We come trembling, uh, knowing that you are a holy God and we are not. Uh, We come dependent upon you. We come expecting great things from your word. And Father, we ask for help. Uh, We ask for the Spirit to do what only the Spirit can do. We acknowledge that we are not you. And we ask that you would help us understand and to hear what the Spirit has to say to us. Uh, We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for you. And uh, we look forward to seeing what you will do uh, in a way that only you can do it. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So that leads us to process step number two, uh, and it's hearing. Uh, and what this is not is reading. So I'm, I'm going to actually do both because I'm going to read and hear while I'm, walk, while I'm reading the text here in a few minutes. But hearing is hearing. We should, we should really spend a lot of time just hearing God's word. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with reading. The Bible uh, encourages reading the Bible. Uh, The Bible actually commands kings and spiritual leaders to be able to read the Bible. And then there's a special blessing in Revelation for reading Revelation itself, which is kind of cool. But the vast majority of commands for consuming God's Word in the Bible pertain to hearing God's Word and not necessarily reading God's Word. Now, a lot of that was due to the fact that a big chunk of the folks who have come before us in the history of the world couldn't read, uh, but you could listen. Uh, But we'll talk more, more about reading Uh, and how to read a little later on in this lesson. So what is this? Well, this is hearing the Bible being read out loud. Uh, This would be uh, by another believer who is actually reading God's Word. Uh, So a couple of takeaways. uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. Um, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but uh, I I will tell you that in uh, verse 2 it says, So Ezra the priest brought the law. Uh, before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand, and all the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood all of these folks that were assisting in this work. In verse 5, And uh, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then there were many others who helped the people understand the law and the people stood in their place. In verse 8, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the meaning. So, So when you see and you listen to how the Israelites responded to when God's word was read, how does that mirror how we respond when God's word is read? Do we stop and listen? Do we Pay attention. Do we say amen and amen and raise our hands and bow our heads in worship and submit in a way that says what God has to say is more important than what I have to say or do and stop and just respond. in verse 9, in Nehemiah chapter 8, it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. that They knew that their life was not consistent with what God's word said, and it, it broke them. Um, and God help us when... When we hear God's word and then pass on changes that need to be made in our lives, so what does this look like? What is the, what are our actions in this space? We'll read the Bible out loud to others, right? So First Thessalonians five twenty seven I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Um, excuse me, First Timothy four thirteen till I come give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Revelation one three blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. So there is a command for us to read the Bible. And then secondly, there's a command for us to hear the Bible uh, being read out loud. So our practice is to read the Bible. We typically start each lesson with a Bible reading, a chapter of the gospel that we're reading from. And this morning we're looking at Mark chapter 10. So I'm excited to read Mark chapter 10. I got to move my bookmark, so this is pretty cool. I Only moved it one page, but hey, you know, still moving it. So this is uh, Mark chapter 10. So before I read, just take a moment. We're going to consciously acknowledge that we're going to respect God's word and position our hearts to defer to whatever it teaches. Whatever it teaches. So here we go, Mark chapter 10. And he left there and went to the region of Judea, and beyond the Jordan, and the crowds gathered to him again. and again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked, "Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife?" And he answered them, "What did Moses command you?" They said, "Moses allowed a man with, to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away." And Jesus said to them, "Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them and they were amazed. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be the great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. A lot to look forward to in Mark chapter 10. I'm excited about this. So, this moves us into process step number three, which is to think. God gave us brains, not just to put in idle, but to think. And uh, I can't think of anything better to think about than God and His Word. So, why do we need to think about God and His Word? Because we used to think in childish ways. And when we were children, we thought in childish ways. Um, because God's thoughts and ways are not our thoughts and ways. Um, Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. If you're God's, you think about God's things. If you're not God's, you don't think about God's things. It's not really complicated. Our attitudes in this place are humility, humility, uh, Psalm 119.27, Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I shall meditate on your wonderful works. Not my works, but his works. Uh, our attitudes are wonder. Um, oh, Lord, how great. This is Psalm 92.5. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. We, we cannot compete with God's thoughts. Um, another attitude is steadfastness. Uh, Joshua one eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. God is telling this to Joshua, right? Because the task that God has set for Joshua is to go and to lead the people in conquering the land. That you may observe to do all according, according to all that is written in it. From then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. See, to accomplish the work that God has given us to accomplish requires... A focus on God's Word. We cannot accomplish His work and abandon His Word. It just doesn't work that way. That's not the way God has set the universe up. Um, Day and night, day and night, day and night. Psalm 1-2, but His delight is in the law of the Lord and in His law He meditates day and night. So what are our actions? We're to think about God's Word day and night. Um, Some of you are like me, you might have trouble sleeping at times. Uh, I have struggled with this basically my entire life. And uh, Psalm 63.6 has been a great comfort. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Uh, Psalm 119, 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. So what do we think about when we can't sleep? The psalmist tells us what to think about when we can't sleep. Right? Think about God's word day and night. Uh, and then this this concept of thinking up, Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So God's Word is uh, from above, so I would argue that this certainly fits uh, this category. So our practice is to slow down and think about God's Word. Um, so right now, if we had a little bit more time in class this morning, I would encourage us just to, in a humble way, in a way that acknowledges the wonder of God's Word, in a way that steadfastly focuses on Mark 10, uh, for the next few minutes, I would just say, think about Mark chapter 10. Um, and while we think about Mark chapter 10, the step number four is talking about God's word. It's, it's with an attitude of incompleteness that we have room to grow. Jesus Christ in Luke 2.52 uh, grew in uh, wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So if Christ himself can grow, obviously we can grow. Uh, our attitude is one of teachableness. I don't know if that's a word, but I made it a word. Uh, Acts twenty, Acts 18, 24 through 28, uh, this this master of speech, Apollos, uh, submitted himself to this team, this beautiful husband and wife team, Aquila and Priscilla, who instructed him in a better way in, I would argue, the full gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of of Jesus Christ so that he fully understand how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies about the the Messiah coming and now you combine this skill with this teachable spirit this new information that rounded out his ability now you have a powerhouse of the faith who can then go expound and explain and defend the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But this attitude of teachableness is what Apollos had to bring to the equation. Another action here in this space in step number four is talk to those who are willing to teach and then use available resources. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.13 and he says, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus, that's a person, at Troas, that's a city, when you come, and the books. This would have been scrolls, especially the parchments. So there were writings that Paul wanted because they were helpful for him. There were things that he had written down, there were things that he had read, there were things that he'd been sent that were beneficial to him and his relationship with God. So when I think about resources that we have at our disposal, uh, these are helpful things, right? But, uh, but nothing, nothing, nothing can compete with the text itself, right? Uh, so use available resources. Learn from others. I would encourage us to do this. And then process step number five is share. It's the time to, to use what we have learned. To, this is the output of praying, hearing, thinking, and talking. And with an attitude of lowliness, with an attitude of intention, uh, with an attitude. This intention is an important one. It says, uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty eight: the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. Now the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, not what to answer. The, the Bible is clear on what the answer is. The Solomon is saying here, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Like we should consider the best way to communicate God's truth, the best way to respond, the best way to engage. Um, with a calm spirit, with a patient spirit. We should be speaking the truth in love and then trusting the Lord with the outcome. Either we believe, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, or we don't, that all all Scripture is given by inspiration to God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. He's either going to be faithful or he's not. Spoiler alert. He's going to be faithful (laughs) every time, all the time. So this is our approach. This is what I want to remind us about. Uh, So this week, I would encourage us to spend some time going through and thinking and talking and sharing and then inviting others to come and join us in this work, in this effort. Uh, This is one of my favorite things that I get to do. Uh, It is one of the honors of my life to get to be able to teach and to declare truth about God's Word. Um, I hope you can tell that I get excited about this. I hope you are excited about this. And I hope that we stay very, very tightly aligned to the Scripture on how to do this because the Bible actually gives us guidance on how to engage with it, with others, and with God. So uh, with that, we will uh, slide into our uh, prayer time. So if you have... Uh, Prayer requests, I would encourage you to write those in the comments of our uh, Facebook group here, uh, of our uh, Facebook uh, video here. Uh, Lean in, engage, pray for somebody that is not with you. Uh, Reach out to somebody that's a member of our class this week and uh, engage with them uh, talk with them about mark chapter 10 ask them questions let them ask you questions this is this is good and helpful for us and i i just want to say again thank you so much to those of you that that reach out to me with your thoughts with your prayers with your with your uh, observations about the gospel of mark as we are moving through and then i would encourage you to engage in worship uh, later today whether that be in person uh, through our facebook page youtube uh, or website Uh, I would just encourage us to uh, be faithful as God has allowed and in his uh, strange providence put us into this time. Uh, He has not rescinded his command for faithfulness. Uh, So with that, I would encourage you to, if you're interested in being a member of Our Sunday School, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, see the details there. Uh, You can subscribe to our weekly email, to our podcast, to our YouTube, all kinds of stuff. It's all there on OurSundaySchool.com. And uh, until I get to see you guys in the flesh, I love you praying for you every day, and uh, I'm looking forward to a time where we can uh, greet each other in person. So, until next week, the Lord be with you. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.